Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for standing by, and welcome to Cartlytics Second Quarter 2020 Financial Results Call. At this time, all participants are in a listen-only mode. After the speaker presentation, there will be a question and answer session. To ask a question during the session, you will need to press star 1 on your telephone. Please be advised that today's conference may be recorded. If you require any further assistance, please press star 0. I would now like to hand the conference over to your host, Chief Legal and Privacy Officer, Kirk Summers. Sir, please go ahead. Good evening, and welcome to Cardlytics' second quarter 2020 financial results call. Before we begin, let me remind everyone that today's discussion will contain forward-looking statements based on our current assumptions, expectations, and beliefs, including expectations about future financial performance or results, the anticipated impact of key priorities on driving growth, the launch of U.S. Bank, growth in FIMAUs, or monthly active users, future ARPU, or average revenue per user, the evolution of our platform to provide self-service and the potential related benefits to us and our clients, the impact of COVID-19 on our business and the economy as a whole, the impact of our rise, retain, and return strategy, and the sufficiency of our capital structure. For discussion of the specific risk factors that could cause our actual results to differ materially from today's discussion, please refer to the risk factors section of the company's 10Q for the quarter ended June 30, 2020, that we filed earlier today and in subsequent periodic reports that we file with the Securities and Exchange Commission. Also during the call, we will discuss non-GAAP measures of our performance. GAAP financial reconciliations and supplemental financial information are provided in the press release issued today and the 8K that has been filed with the SEC. Today's call is available via webcast, and a replay will be available for one week. You can find all of the information I've just described on the Investor Relations section of Cardlytics' website. Please note that a supplemental presentation to our second quarter results has also been posted to our Investor Relations website. Joining us on the call today is Cardlytics' leadership team, including CEO and co-founder Lynn Loby and CFO Andy Christensen. Following their prepared remarks, we'll open the call to your questions. With that, let me turn the call over to Lynn. Lynn? Thanks, Kirk, and thank you to everyone for joining us on our second quarter 2020 earnings conference call. First, we want to provide an update on the effects of COVID-19 on our business. Cardlytics is doing its part to help ensure the health and safety of our employees in our community. Our employees are working from home, and we are evaluating opening our offices to them on a voluntary basis later this year. That said, we're monitoring current events and will adapt depending on the severity of the virus going forward. This is still a difficult time as an advertising business. While we saw signs of increased spend in the U.S. throughout the quarter, consumer spending in the U.K. and some of our key verticals, especially travel and dining, is still dramatically reduced year over year. Billings in these areas are down in a similar way. We are also continuously monitoring spend data to make sure we're prepared as a company for a potential second wave. Considering the impact of COVID-19, we delivered second quarter results that were in line with internal forecasts. We also saw month-over-month increases in absolute dollars throughout the quarter in all three metrics. Here are some of the numbers. Total billings for the second quarter were $39.5 million, down 46% year-over-year. Total revenue, which is equal to billings net of consumer incentive, was $28.2 million, a decline of 42%. An adjusted contribution was $12.4 million, down 43% year-over-year. Despite the unprecedented environment and the short-term impact to our results, 
We remain optimistic for the future. We continue to believe that our key long-term priorities of increasing the number of marketers working with us, bringing our solutions to new industries, evolving the Cardlytics platform, and demonstrating operating leverage in our business are fully achievable. Our clients are still facing severe swings in spend, both up and down, and our three-pronged strategy, rise, retain, and return, discussed on the Q1's earning call, is continuing to produce positive results. Interestingly, we've seen some clients move from rise to retain over the past few months. One example is with an online grocer who we helped in Q1 as their sales rose. By sharing custom weekly reports in Q2, Cardlytics helped them quantify the competitive share of wallet loss they were experiencing with those same new customers, particularly among the heaviest customer segments. Our data uncovered that their most frequent customers were making approximately 50% of their online grocery transactions at other online competitors. These insights motivated our client to invest more aggressively in our platform for the second half of 2020. We also had a new Rise client so impressed with our results that they signed the longest advertising contract in Cardlytics history. This quarter, we want to provide several new metrics to help investors understand engagement and the advertising spend potential on the platform. This includes quarterly data on monthly average login days, offer activation rates across verticals, and campaign spend ratios across verticals. We believe this information shows that users are engaged with the platform and that we have significant headroom for revenue growth as we gain access to larger advertising budgets. You can find these metrics in the supplemental presentation located in our investor relations website. We continue to rapidly evolve and innovate our platform. Today, we're really excited to announce that we're externally testing our new self-service platform with several advertisers and agency partners. This self-service ad platform allows campaigns to be created in less than two minutes and is the first step in democratizing the Cardlytics advertising opportunity for all marketers and agencies, big and small. Together with our first partner, Horizon Media, we launched Lint Chocolate as the first advertiser and campaign through the new platform. Horizon is the largest independent agency in the world, and this partnership paves the way for many more of their clients to now have access to Cardlytics and our premium channel. Additionally, together with VaynerMedia, another large and fast-growing agency partner, we've launched a client under their management. Their agency representative noted that the tool had, quote, snap-like simplicity, but Google-level quality. Finally, direct clients like Forever 21 are also testing the self-service platform to execute campaigns across our channel and scale their business. We're excited about the strides we've made, and we see great opportunity for mutual benefit for our clients, direct or agencies. In addition to product advancements, we're continuing to make investments in the right people to lead our organization into the future. Jessica Jensen, CMO of OpenTable and an experienced executive who's worked at several leading digital platforms, has recently joined our board of directors. And we've hired Farrell Hudzik and Pete Davies to lead our bank team and sales strategy and operation teams, respectively. We look forward to the impact each of these talented leaders will have on our platform. Moving to the bank side of our business, in Q2, we completed our Wells Fargo launch and surpassed 150 million FI MAUs. We believe this scale places us on equal footing with other major US advertising platforms and provides a highly differentiated solution for marketers. We're extremely proud of our team for its work on Wells Fargo. Further, our launch preparations with U.S. Bank are going as planned, and we expect to launch them with our version one of the new user experience in the first half of 2021. On a final note, I want to address the events that have caused massive local and national protests over the past few months. 
Cardlytics as a company stands in unison with all people of color. We have a number of new company goals to support employees in the community, including an initiative to run campaigns to support minority-owned businesses. We will continue engaging with our employees in our communities of color to learn how we can best support them. With that, I will turn it over to Andy. Thanks, Lynn. Q2 is a difficult quarter for our employees, our partners, and our communities. We remain focused on our longer-term initiatives, and we're very optimistic about our future prospects. Just like last quarter, I'll give a quick update on liquidity before covering Q2 results and guidance. We're confident that our current capitalization and liquidity will provide us the financial flexibility to weather the economic downturn triggered by COVID-19 and continue with prudent strategic investments. We ended the quarter with $98.4 million in cash compared to $102.2 million in cash at the end of Q1. We also continue to have access to our undrawn loan facility, which had total availability based on our eligible accounts receivable of $26.4 million as of June 30th. We've seen improvement in the economy, but there's still a lot of near-term uncertainty, so we're remaining prudent in regards to our cash strategy while still focusing on achieving our long-term operational and financial goals. For the full quarter, billings decreased 46% year-over-year to $39.5 million, and revenue decreased 42% year-over-year to $28.2 million. Our U.S. revenue declined 38% year-over-year in Q2, and our U.K. revenue declined 74%, as businesses there have been hit particularly hard by the pandemic. Similar to last quarter, I wanted to give everyone on the call a clear picture of how the quarter unfolded. Year-over-year, revenue declined 46% in April, 44% in May, and 38% in June, as we saw consumer spending improve throughout the quarter. It's worth noting that May of 2019 was a particularly strong month. So while revenue in May of 2020 was down 44% year-over-year, it was up nearly 40% sequentially from April. While we've seen a pause in year-over-year spending growth the last couple weeks, we are optimistic that the recovery, while perhaps uneven, will continue over the coming quarters. This will materialize in our results as marketers, especially those in some of our larger verticals like travel, grow more confident in deploying their advertising budgets over time. Adjusted contribution was $12.4 million in the second quarter, down 43% from Q2 of 2019. Adjusted EBITDA was a loss of $7.7 million in the quarter, compared to a loss of 600000 in Q2 of 2019 reflecting the revenue softness from the effects of COVID-19. As we noted last quarter, we are continuing to invest in our business during this time, which alongside the effects of the pandemic may cause fluctuations in our EBITDA over the coming quarters. MAUs grew 31% year over year from 120.1 million in the second quarter of 2019 to 157.2 million in Q2 of 2020, reflecting an increase in MAUs stemming from growth at Chase and the Wells Fargo launch. ARPA during the second quarter was $0.18, cents, down 55% year-over-year. As we mentioned last quarter, ARPA will experience some pressure this year due to our significant MAU growth and revenue softness caused by the pandemic. And as a reminder, we think of MAU growth as typically preceding associated top-line growth. To echo Lynn, we are pleased to have grown our MAU base over $150 million, which is exactly where we expected to be after the launch of Wells Fargo. We had 27.3 million shares outstanding at the end of Q2. Weighted average shares outstanding during the quarter was 27.1 million compared to 22.7 million during Q2 of 2019. Now on the guidance. We are not providing guidance due to the unpredictable effects of the current global health crisis. 
While we see signs that the economy is in a more stable position than it was in early Q2, there are concerns around recent infection trends and the pause in the recovery. However, we expect to see sequential improvement in both Q3 and Q4. The best direction we can provide is that we exited the quarter with revenue down 38% year-over-year in June. And barring a deterioration in consumer spending, we expect these declines to continue narrowing as we execute our rise, retain, and return strategy. Despite the unpredictable environment, we continue to focus on achieving our long-term goals. And our liquidity provides us the flexibility to think and act with a long-term mindset. And this is what feeds our optimism and our confidence in our future success. With that, I'll hand it back to Lynn for her closing remarks before we open the line for questions. Lynn? Thanks, Andy. Q2 was a solid quarter in many ways, but ultimately it was also a difficult quarter due to the effects of the global pandemic. As we've said in the past, we remain excited about our opportunities for growth and feel like our momentum is increasing. We are cautiously optimistic that Q1 and Q2 will be the worst parts of the crisis, but we have plans in place to address any scenario. I remain proud of our team's response in the workplace and the community, and we continue to remain focused on their health and well-being. With that, I'll open the call up for your questions. Thank you. As a reminder, to ask a question, you will need to press star than one on your touchstone telephone. To withdraw your question from the queue, please press the pound key. Please stand by while we compile the Q&A roster. Our first question comes from Doug Ammuth with J.P. Morgan. Your line is now open. Great. Thanks for taking the questions. I have two. Um, first, just based on uh, the data and everything that you can see, just curious, Lynn, um, how you're thinking about some of the changes in consumer behavior that you're seeing over these last few months and, you know, what could be more permanent versus transient and how that impacts your sales strategy going forward. And then second, uh, I was hoping you could give us some more details on the new user experience uh, that you mentioned uh, coming in the first half of next year, uh, at least with one bank. Thanks. Thanks, Doug. Uh, yeah, you know, I do think we're going to see some permanent changes in consumer spending. I think most notably um, online ordering with in-store or, or, you know, curbside pickup is, I think, a, a trend that's here to stay for the long term. I think also online purchases in some categories, um, particularly some of the D2C categories, is a trend that's probably here to stay for the long term. Uh, but we we do believe that consumer spending will come back into brick-and-mortar stores, probably not at the same pace that it was before this, but it will come back into brick-and-mortar stores. As a reminder, all of the advertising content that we sell is good however the consumer wants to make the purchase. So whether they want to purchase online or they want to purchase in-store, the advertising content works for, for that consumer desire. Um, previous, the vast majority of, of the redemptions that we saw were in-store. We've definitely seen a pretty dramatic shift to online only. Um, and our rise, retain, return strategy is a part of going after some of the, you know, more um, surging categories in online only that weren't necessarily as heavy of a focus for us prior to, to COVID. Uh, but I, I do think we're going to see some permanent shifts in how people are spending, and our platform is able to accommodate those shifts very easily and already has. Um, in terms of the U.S. Bank um, new user experience, I do want to emphasize this is version one, so you know there will be many, many upgrades to come over many banks over time. But it's going to have some very basic things that we can't do today that are going to sound very simple but are important. Uh, it's going to have some pictures. 
you know, so the ability to show a picture of a product or a picture of uh, the, a menu or, you know, just even whatever it is that the consumer is buying. It's going to have a lot more um, ability for the user to categorize, filter, organize, search, and find the content that they're looking for. Um, and it's going to enable a, a few different kinds of notifications of the kinds of offers that are available so that we're able to do something a little bit more differentiated than just a simple, you know, percentage off offer. Um, but can start to sort of work our way into more product level offerings, um, kind of day offerings, you know, things like that. It will be fairly basic on that dimension, but it, the underlining foundation will be there to enable more and more of that type of different offering and content um, variety. Okay, great. Thank you. Thank you. Our next question comes from Yusuf Scali with Trust. Your line is now open. Great. Thank you very much. Uh, hey, guys, two questions for me. First, um, thanks, by the way, for the, the, the clarity around linearity throughout the quarter. I was wondering if you could actually add one more month to that and, and, and help us maybe with trends you're seeing in July um, and then maybe um, on the, just the mix of advertisers. We noticed that um, the percentage of digital advertisers on the platform um, maturely increased uh, versus physical ones, which kind of makes sense. Could you help quantify um, the, the mix between digital versus physical? I'm assuming you have the majority of digital, but more importantly, how, how do they compare in terms of spend on the platform um, re relative to each other? Thank you. Yeah, no, it's a great question, Yusuf. This is Lynn. You know, obviously, I think you can all see it. it many of you have, you know, relationships with our banks and, and can see the content. There's definitely a pretty dramatic increase of, you know, some of the online-only content that's out there. It is hard for them to overcome or, or to make up for the loss of still some very, very big brick-and-mortar, um, you know, particularly restaurants and also travel clients that we have. Um, but we, we see a nice rise in just the increase of these online-only brands and these direct-to-consumer brands using our platform. So I think it sets us up well for when this is over, we're going to have those brands and we're going to have the brick and mortar, the travel, the restaurants back. Um, so we, we definitely, you know, I, I think are well set in the long run, but they're not going to make up in the short term for some of the loss of, you know, some of these huge clients. Um, in terms of spend that we're seeing in July, you want to touch on that one, Andy? Yeah, I will. Um, you know, we, we have about a, a two-week lag in data. So if you remember last or I think we did this about another uh, week out and had a little bit more visibility. Um, but we, we are um, seeing better data in July that we, we certainly believe that our results in July will, will be better than they were in June. I think it remains to see the degree, but we, we certainly are seeing continued improvement. I guess if I can just follow up on that, um, as, as you look at the progression of the business, how realistic is it to maybe expect um, that you guys will get back to flat or maybe even year-on-year -year growth by, by the end of the year? Is that realistic at this point? I, th I think a lot really depends upon some of the areas that, that Lynn touched on, right? So some of the areas like, like travel, uh, the U.K., uh, brick and mortar, you know, we're going to have to see um, a lot more consumer confidence, quite frankly, um, and a lot of that is tied to, to, to infections. 
uh, infections drive fear, drive change in behavior, and change in spend. And so I think you know it's very, very difficult for us to be able to provide um, guidance at this time. Uh, but certainly, we would need to see you know some some significant improvement to, to get there. What I will say, Yusuf, and I hope we don't sound like we're talking out of both sides of our mouth, it's possible. As we've discussed many, many times over, our platform is capable of consuming a lot more budget than we have today, and obviously that's, you know, compounded with the current situation. But if spend came roaring back tomorrow, that is absolutely possible. I think the chances of spend coming roaring back tomorrow are pretty low, but I, I do want to just highlight that it, it is entirely dependent on the economy coming back and then the advertisers, we, we know for a fact the advertisers come back when the spend comes back. Mm -hmm. All right. Thank you, Bill. Thank you. Our next question comes from Chris Schutler with William Blair. Your line is now open. Hi, everyone. Good afternoon. Um, have you seen many signs? I know it's, it's early days, but uh, you, you've talked about being hopeful that um, some marketers will, will kind of come back to uh, to your channel before a lot of others. Are you seeing examples of that, I think, particularly around areas like uh, like hotels or non-standard lodging? Yeah, uh, we, we absolutely have seen, um, in many cases, us be one of the first back on, um, you know, certainly both in the restaurant uh, uh, industry as well as, well as in travel. Um, you know, we, we've actually launched uh, I want to say probably about a half dozen clients where we we actually know that we are one of the first channels that they come back on. And in some cases, the only one that's on. That's right. Okay, and then I also wanted to ask about the, uh, you've made a number of hires recently. Um, I think yesterday you announced a, an EVP of bank partnerships, and there were just some interesting comments in that, that press release about um, evolving and differentiating the Cardlytics platform for banks and further integrating it within banks beyond their offers programs. So maybe you could just dive into that a little bit more. Yeah, this is Lynn. Look, when you serve three of the largest banks in the country, and actually more than that, we serve, I think, seven out of the top ten banks in the country, they all have a different spin that they want to put onto the program. And a big part of the new user experience that we're building enables them to do that. It enables them to have their own sort of customization for how offers are displayed, their ability to enhance the offers, um, their ability to, you know, even partner with some of the advertisers where maybe they have large co-brand relationships, you know, those types of things. So from an advertiser perspective, we're still selling a network, but from a bank perspective, they have the ability to customize the program much more so than they do today to, to meet kind of their look and feel and specialization requirements is really what, what we were talking about there. In terms of um, expanding the use of the platform, look, when you think about it, what we've built is a platform that can ingest bank data, make it usable, and then do something with it. And there's multiple use cases for that platform sitting inside of banks. Now, I'm not going to suggest to you that we're going to, you know, have those use cases rolled out next next year, and I'm certainly not going to suggest to you that they are in our numbers or a part of any guidance we would be providing in the foreseeable future, but we have a number of, you know, ways that we can serve banks with the existing platform that is installed inside their environments and meet many of their other types of needs well beyond just offers. 
Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Our next question comes from Jason Cryer with Craig Hallam. Your line is now open. Good Thanks for taking my questions. Uh, can you give any more color on, on just the pause? You talked a couple times about a pause that you've seen in recent weeks. Wondering if you have more color on that, if that's come back online now, or if there's any specific verticals or any drivers to that pause. Uh, yeah, the, the, the pause that we're referring to, you know, certainly is in the last a couple of weeks. Again, we're, we're, we're a bit lagged in, in the data. So, of course, you'd have to go back to kind of the first half, uh, you know, middle of July, um, right, to, to be able to, um, you know, go back then and see. the. We, we also have a difficult year-over-year comp in July, which is kind of interesting, right? So some of the weakness that we see is that uh, I think that the normal kind of spikes in spend you see typically around a holiday were, were a bit dampened as well, right? So really on a year-to-year basis, you're starting to see a little bit of softness there. Um, but we've, we've seen that in, in several, uh, several verticals in which we're, we're, we're very active in. Um, but, you know, it actually has um, not been all down. It, it has certainly been a bit choppy, I'll say, um, but, but not dramatic in any way. Okay. And then, you know, I, I know retail brick and mortar and kind of your fast casual dining have been larger categories for you on, you know, before the virus hit. Just wondering if you can give any, you know, any perspective on how you're offsetting that. I mean, I know like e-commerce is, is obviously a growing category and you pivoted to delivery solutions, but if you can give us any progress updates and, you know, how, what the trajectory is or how long it takes to kind of offset some of those spend in their category and how well you're doing in these new areas. Here's what I would say. We're doing a great job attracting new logos that fit into those sort of rise categories, whether it's delivery or, you know, direct-to-consumer or e-com only. We're doing a great job attracting the new verticals to the platform. But as I said before, it is hard. They're, they're still in test mode. So, you know, the, the I.O. might be for 45 days and it might be for a couple hundred thousand dollars. It takes an awful lot of those to make up for some of our, you know, very large clients who had either huge brick-and-mortar footprints or were very big in travel. It takes an awful lot of those to make up for that in the short term. So we're obviously not making up for that in the short term. But when I put on my several quarters out hat and this thing is behind us, now we've got the big, you know, the big sort of traditional users of the platform back in and these new verticals that quite frankly, weren't even a huge focus of ours before COVID, have now been well through the testing cycle, and they have the potential to spend quite a bit of money on the platform, particularly because, as I said earlier, we are seeing what we think are going to be some permanent changes to some consumer spending habits. I think positions us incredibly well. But it will take multiple quarters for these test budgets to grow to the size of the budgets of some of the you know bigger clients that we lost. Does that help? Yeah, that's that's great feedback. Just I'm going to squeeze one more in. Um, you're you're obviously now testing with some agencies and some brands on the automated platform. Just wondering if you can give any feedback on what you're hearing there and potential for an update to the timeline on when this would be more generally available. Yeah. So thank you for asking that because I'm really surprised that's the first question. I, you know, we are thrilled with where we are with rolling out the self-service platform. Um, it, 
well ahead of schedule that we communicated to the street. We have two very, very progressive agencies testing it, um, and this should be, you know, something that, that, that you should pay attention to in following quarters. Um, today, the agencies, it's still very much in beta mode. They're using it to learn and to understand the capabilities of our platform. Uh, so I wouldn't expect material revenue to be going through um, these, these beta agencies in this year and potentially even through the first half of next year. But as we have repeatedly said, this self-service platform is what opens us up to go after the medium and small businesses that we do not call on today. And if you look at every other platform out there, starting with, let's just pick on Facebook, you know, 90% of their revenues come from these businesses that we're not even calling on today. And this platform enables that, and it's actually launched and live in the hands of two agencies. So we are super excited about it. But I do want to be, you know, cautious. It is still beta, and you won't see material money going through the platform for, you know, several more quarters. But just to have it in the hands of agencies is a huge step. All right. Good update. Thank you. Thank you. Our next question comes from Matt Schindler with Bank of America. Your line is now open. Yes. Hi, guys. Uh, you've mentioned several times about the change in, you know, uh, luxury retail, restaurants, and, and travel obviously coming off in the pandemic uh, and switching to more direct-to-consumer e-commerce brands. Is there any way you can give us some more direct color on the percentages from categories and how they've changed from pre-COVID to post? Yeah, we, we, we haven't uh, shared those kind of exact numbers, um, you know, the, the weightings. I mean, everyone, I think, at this point, you know, can appreciate the, the, the weightings the, the historical uh, verticals that have been quite important to us. We do actually have a significant amount of growth in the e-com, um, you know, area, but, but at this point, right, that is definitely being um, obscured by, by some of the declines we've seen from some of our larger Britain Northern travel clients. So, I mean, there is a very nice growing amount there that, to Lynn's point, um, will become meaningful in the future that, that I think this, in some ways, the silver lining is that, there's some healthy diversification that is happening. Um, so we're actually pretty excited about where that may lead in the future, but it's just going to take some time until that really, you know, shows itself. And that while we okay. haven't in these verticals, you know, if you go look at the um, new metrics that we put in the supplementals, we are at least showing you the verticals and some of the performance rates by verticals and the upside potential there, which I think will give you some of what you're looking for. Um, so take a look at those when you get a chance. Sounds good. It, then on a, uh, a separate note, um, well, actually, I'll let you go. Sorry. I don't need to take a second call. Question. Thanks. Thank you. Our next question comes from Josh Beck with KeyBank Capital Markets. Your line is now open. Hi, this is Maddie on for Josh. I was wondering if we could talk a little bit more about your U.S. engagement metrics, and I was wondering if you could compare – specifically your monthly login days to pre-COVID levels. I'm wondering if you maybe saw an increase in banking activity during COVID and that maybe caused MAUs above expectations. And then my second question is, could you maybe talk about the cost savings that you think that you could achieve from the self-service platform um, later in, like, 2021? Thanks. Wait, can you repeat that second question? Can we talk about the what from the self-service platform? The cost savings that you think you could achieve? So um, 
so let me hit on the logins because that's a really easy one. While we did see a brief spike in logins when the stimulus checks were out, for the most part, that metric's pretty consistent, pretty stable, and has been for many, many quarters. We're not showing historical data because the other metrics, actually, because banks are launching, um, will will continue to grow from there. But logins, there is there is no unusual spike in that. Um, and, and you'll see that number grow over time as more people adopt online banking. So that's that's the answer to that one. Um, in terms of cost savings for, for the self-service tool, there are cost savings. As I mentioned, we can build a campaign in two minutes, and that is something that traditionally could take, you know, upwards of an hour or more, depending on how complicated the campaign was in the past. Um, but really, the purpose of this self-service tool is to go after agency spend, small business spend, is to go after new logos. I think many of our existing advertisers will be a long time, if ever, before they're using the self-service tool. They're going to want to you know, have the really rich, sophisticated capabilities that we have today in the platform. Self-service is intended to go after new logos that don't have the same sophisticated requirements as you know, some of the larger retailers and restaurants in the country. So there will great. be cost savings. It's not something you should model. Okay, great. Thank you so much. Thank you, and as a reminder, to ask a question, you will need to press star then one on your touchtone telephone. To withdraw your question from the queue, please press the pound key. Our next question comes from Tim Willey with Wells Fargo. Your line is now open. All right, thanks, and good afternoon, everybody. Um, two questions. Uh, the first one is about, <clears throat> I guess, sort of the, the pause that you referenced. If I remember correctly from the first corner call, you know, there was definitely discussion of certain states that were reopening and beginning to see positive activity. I think you could really pinpoint geographically if some of those states opened. And obviously we've seen states start to roll things back. Um, maybe they'll, you know, roll them back open again at some point in time, obviously. But I'm curious if the slowdowns you've referenced would really correlate geographically to states that were pulling back or putting restrictions back in. Or is there no correlation that you could point to geographically based upon how states are managing, you know, case counts and social interactions and things like that? Uh, yeah, so absolutely. Um, I think many of the correlations that we saw early in the pandemic are um, consistent now. We, we have seen that some of the states that have um, taken a bit more of a pause than others are certainly those, as I look here in front of the uh, – some of our own indicators, uh, Arkansas, Georgia, Tennessee, Alabama, you, know, you, get, you, you get the drift. It, it, it's the, the southern um, states where we're actually starting to see a, a bit of a uh, spike here in recent weeks. So we absolutely do think it's correlated to infections and consumer behaviors. Okay. Um, second question is um, on expenses. Um, and, again, I know that it can be a bit sporadic depending upon what investments you're making and the timing of campaigns and bringing customers on. Um, it looked like sort of all the expense categories relative to adjusted contribution margin and revenue jumped uh, more so than probably like their last four to five quarters. Maybe not every single one, but a fair amount of them were really sort of probably higher than they've ever been relative to revenue. So I'm just sort of curious if that's a function of anything sort of, again, maybe finishing up some investments in platform 
we're just sort of holding steady on expenses while revenue obviously struggled a bit this quarter, or if there's, you know, again, something we should be thinking about in the, in the upcoming quarters about the sort of core run rate for expenses. Yep. Um, so actually, the, the increase in, in uh, OPEX that you're seeing is, is largely driven by stock compensation. Uh, once you kind of peel out the stock comp, um, which, which we do have that, that detail um, you know, broken out in some of the um, you know, later materials, but once you do that, you'll actually see a, a nice decline um, in OPEX, um, and that's going to be in several different areas. Um, obviously, sales and marketing makes a whole lot of sense, right, given our lower performance and revenue. Um, and then, you know, we've got, you know, G, uh, G&A is down quite a bit as well. We've looked at fairly large bad, bad debt reserve in Q1 uh, um, when, when the pandemic first started. So a, a lot of that is really driven by stock comp. Um, the stock comp is up for, for a variety of reasons. Um, we're, we had our annual uh, re- refresher in April um, equity grants, and we've been filling, obviously, some, some executive positions, uh, and, bo- and both of those, uh, you know, are, are, are likely to con- uh, continue in the future. You know, we've got um, some, some incentive compensation for both, for all of our employees. As we look to try and take care of our most valuable assets, you know, we're thinking of ways that we can really um, try and uh, try and take care of people, and I think stock comp's going to be one of the ways in which we, we do that. So, you know, we do expect probably that stock comp level to, to remain uh, at a similar level over the next couple quarters. Okay, you know, I was actually referencing, I should have clarified, this is X stock comp with expenses as a percentage of revenue. So I know there's some play with the revenue coming down relative to how quickly you could draw expenses down. And maybe that's just what it is, that there's just a level of expense you're going to maintain relative to revenue. So that ratio went up X stock comp. I just wanted to make sure there wasn't like some final push on product development or something that, that, moved up an R&D or sales and marketing line X comp that would then back off in the back half of the year. Yeah, yeah. so the, you really kind of have to look sequentially, too, when you're looking at the OPEX, um, just because a lot obviously happens quarter to quarter. Um, so you should see it go from about 24.8 down to, you know, 20.5 X dot com. Okay. Great, that's all I have. spending or anything going on that's unusual or outside of, you know, previous quarters? At all. It's more a function of revenues down. Yep. Perfect. Thanks very much. Thank you. And at this time, I'm showing no further questions in the queue at this time. I'd like to turn the call back to Lynn Loby for any closing remarks. You know, look, it it obviously was not the quarter we were all hoping for, uh, but we are still very optimistic about the long-term, you know, success that this company is positioned to have. And I know COVID will be over eventually, and when it is, we're going to be even stronger for it. Um, So thank you all for attending and for listening, and uh, we'll talk to you all soon. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for your participation on today's conference. This does conclude your program, and you may now disconnect.